This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs.
And, you know, if you, uh, if you do that this morning, we've uh, been successful in church, whether the message is a, a dud or not. Why, if you crowned him with praise, that's what is important. So I want to ask you just to go ahead and open your Bibles to um, Genesis. Hopefully you can all find the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 5. Hopefully you can all count to five. Genesis chapter 5, and we'll be reading quite a few verses here in just, uh, just a little bit, uh, probably right around 18. You might want to just kind of get your finger there, and uh, that's about where we're going to pick up. As a pastor, I do quite a few um, graveside services. And when I go to a cemetery, I'm, I'm sometimes fascinated just at the, the names and the dates of the deceased. And I will sometimes look at the tombstones, and, and there will be sometimes sayings, inscriptions that the family has written about their loved one. And, and, and honestly, sometimes it's as if I, I feel like an intruder because it's so private, so personal. And, but then there are other times that families have decided to take the lighter side. And I hope my family will do that whenever I, whenever I uh, bite the dust. Uh, but they put humorous inscriptions on tombstones. Let me give you a couple that I haven't seen, but they came across the Internet. And so, of course, if they're on the Internet, you know that they have to be true. Uh, but these are just kind of short and to the point. This, this really speaks to me. But uh, here's one. I told you I was sick. Here's another one. I knew this would happen. Uh, this one was interesting. She always said her feet were killing her, but nobody believed her. Uh, at last, a hole in one. It takes a little bit to get that one, doesn't it? And then here's one. Bye. This must come from an attorney. I have nothing further to say. And then this one's just kind of wild. He loved bacon. And, uh, you know, if it, this one, I don't know, I haven't seen, but I think this would be kind of appropriate for a minister. And in conclusion. But, you know, when a minister says, and in conclusion, you know what that means? Absolutely nothing. Uh, one more. I did hear of a person, uh, you know, parents who decided to give their son the name of Odd. And, and I don't know what parent would do that to their child, uh, suffered ridicule throughout his life. Uh, he ended up being a very successful attorney. It's a wonder he didn't sue his parents, but uh, be, because they had ribbed him all of his life, he decided upon his death that he wanted an unmarked, unmarked tombstone, and so his name would never be mentioned again, and his wishes were honored. But the problem was when people saw his tombstone without a name, they almost always said, that's odd. Uh, our scripture today will almost make you think that you're walking through a cemetery looking at tombstones. If there's a morbid chapter in the Bible, it's Genesis chapter 5. And yes, it does have a bunch of begats. Um, and, and if you haven't read King James Version, if you're a younger person, you don't know what begat means without going into much detail. It means to procreate or generate offspring. Uh, but anyway, Genesis 
chapter 5 has so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat so-and-so. And in fact, it goes through 11 generations of begetting. Begetting, begetting, same thing. One, beget is actually an older term than beget. Uh, beginning with Adam, ending with Noah. But common sense tells you that if you have 11 generations of begetting, you're going to have 11 generations of dying. As you read Genesis chapter 5, it's as if every little bit you hear the death bell toll. And in some of the cemeteries, every time somebody is, is buried, there's a bell that rings. And it's almost as if Genesis chapter 5 is like that. And, and we frequently find the words, and he died, and he died, and he died. Now, back then, they lived much longer than we do today. Adam lived 930 years, but he still died. Jared lived 962 years, but he died. Methuselah lived 969 years, but he died. George Bernard Shaw accurately said the statistics on death are quite impressive. One out of every one dies. However, if you read Genesis chapter 5 carefully, and most people don't, it, frankly, it's not a real inspirational chapter. And so they speed read it. They, they, they skip it. But if you would read it, hidden away in an obscure verse, you find an exception to the rule that one out of every one dies. Tucked away, you read about a man who lived but never died. And we want to talk about him today. Genesis chapter 5, verse 18. I'll be reading from the NIV today, New International Version. It reads like this. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. Now, Enoch is the one we're going to focus on today, so, so pay attention. And after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 962 years and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. You're probably saying, what's in this chapter so far? Well, here is a key statement. Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God, then he was no more. Because God took him away. Now, as we talk about this man, Enoch, the Bible isn't very generous in giving much information. The Old Testament dedicates 51 words to him as all. The New Testament adds a little bit more insight, and it gives us 94 words. So you have a total of 145 words that talk about Enoch. But those 145 words gives us, uh, give us insight into the type of person that Enoch was. Let's first look at uh, how Enoch was remembered. Let's look at his legacy and, and, and just some of the characteristics that he had. And, and you could really sum this up in two short phrases. The first phrase we find in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and he was not found because God had translated him. For before his, translated, he, before his translation, he had this testimony. Here's the phrase, that he pleased God. 
So that's the first phrase that describes Enoch. He pleased God and his legacy was not one that everybody liked him, that he pleased people. No, his legacy was that he pleased God. Now, the second defining characteristic of, of, of Enoch is found in Genesis 5.22. So we went to the New Testament. Now we're going back to the Old Testament. And, and actually, we see this same phrase two different times, verse 22 and verse 24. And it reads like this. And after, after, catch this, after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. So the legacy that Enoch left can be boiled down to the fact that he pleased God, he walked with God. He pleased God, he walked with God. We, we never read about Enoch parting the sea like Moses did. We, we never read about Enoch raising the dead like Elijah did. We never read about Enoch leading an army like Joshua or, or, or David did. We never read about Enoch preaching a wonderful message like Peter did after the day of Pentecost. His only claim to fame can be summed up in these two phrases. He pleased God, he walked with God. He pleased God, he walked with God. But what an amazing legacy. You know, at funerals, it's always interesting to hear what the preacher says about the legacy of the deceased. And, um, you know, most preachers would never admit this, but I think that a lot of preachers lie at funerals. And, and I want to be careful, uh, but preachers so desperately want to bring comfort to families. And so regardless how the deceased live their life, many times preachers make them into a wonderful person at death. And, and, and I'm not advocating that we bring out the dark side of people at their funeral. That wouldn't be appropriate. But, but you can almost always predict what will be said about the deceased. And it's almost always going to be said, they loved their family. They lived for their family. They were a good person. They never met a stranger, etc., etc. But what really matters is, did this person please God and did this person walk with God? You know, in light of eternity, nothing else matters. Awards, riches, accomplishments. If I could just be a hillbilly and say it this way, they do not amount to a hill of beans in light of eternity. What matters is, did they please God? Did they walk with God? You know, the greatest tribute a child could say about his dad is that daddy walked with God. The greatest thing a church could say about a member is they walked with God. The greatest thing that people you work with could say about you is not that you were an amazing worker, that you got there earlier, that you stayed late, but it's that you walked with God. You know, someone has said civilized man has learned how to fly, but he's lost the art of walking with God. Now, notice a couple of things here. It says that Enoch walked with God. And it does not say that God walked with Enoch. Enoch walked with God. And, and to me, that indicates that Enoch was going the same direction that God was going. Sometimes we hear people say, well, I'm a Christian. I follow God. And, but when you look at their lives, you, you find that they go places that God wouldn't go. You, you, you find that they do things that God wouldn't do. They say things that God wouldn't say. They watch things that God wouldn't watch. Walking with God means that you only do those things that God would do. You only go to those places where God would go. And Colossians 2.6 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. But there's, there's something else, as I was just studying and meditating over the Scripture, I, I, I find something interesting about Enoch's walk with God is that it was a long and consistent walk. Follow with me again in verse 22. 
And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. Wow. Oh. It's always a blessing to hear of someone that has walked with God for 50, 60, 70 years. And in the early service, we actually had a power outage right here. And so we were just kind of uh, killing a little bit of time until, until the computer rebooted and we got going again and I got a mic back. But I was just asking people to stand, those that had been serving the Lord 20 years or more, and then, you know, 30 years and 40 years. And, and uh, just one of my favorite people in this church, Luella Phipps, she, um, she got the prize because she, uh, she has been following the Lord 74 years you know sometimes we bring attention to our new converts and 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 we should i'm so proud of the new believers we have at this church but praise god for those who have served the lord for many many years those who have walked with god the duration of enoch's walk with god was 300 years you know probably my greatest disappointment i'll just kind of open my heart to you as pastor of this church is to see the lack of faithfulness of god's people And I dare say that if all of the people who have been saved in this church over the last 25 years or so, if they would have stayed faithful to God, and and I'm not talking about those who have moved away or maybe they went to another church and and they're still following the Lord. I'm, I'm just talking about those that have backslidden, they've quit following the Lord. If all of them had remained faithful to God, there's no building in Eldorado Springs that would be big enough to hold them all. And church history is littered with people who started walking with God but then stopped. But Enoch had a legacy. I love the legacy that he faithfully walked with his Lord. Let's secondly look at when Enoch began to walk with God. And, and we get just a little nugget of insight. And again, we, with 145 words, you don't have much. You've got to just kind of look carefully. But there in verse 21, we read it. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. Now, the Bible says nothing about him walking with God the first 65 years of his life. He might have. But it emphasizes, it chooses to emphasize that after he became the daddy to Methuselah, Then Enoch walked with God. What was it about the birth of Methuselah that brought him to a place where he walked with God? Well, first it's possible that in the birth of his son he realized his parental responsibility. He looked at that boy and and he realized that his son would need a godly example. And and perhaps it hit him one day that his little boy would go to either heaven or hell. and, And the way that daddy lived would largely determine where his eternal destiny would be. And so very possibly the birth of his son helped him realize that that he needed to settle down spiritually and that the life he lived would determine how Enoch turned out. Several years ago, there was an article in the U.S. News and World Report. and, And in that article, it was reported that studies of delinquency conducted at Harvard University showed that six out of every ten juvenile delinquents had fathers who were indifferent to them And many of them were indifferent to spiritual things. Uh, 
your pastor was talking to a group of kids in a Sunday school class and he was asking the question, why do you love God? And the best, probably not the best answer, but an interesting answer he got was from a young girl that said, well, I don't know why I love God. I guess it just runs in my family. Now, you can't be saved by just running in your family. But that's a pretty good testimony. That loving God runs in your family, that there's a legacy of following God. But there's something else that I want to bring out under what helped uh, bring about Enoch's new commitment to God. In the birth of his son, fasten your seatbelt here, okay? Don't, Don't be weirded out. In the birth of his son, he possibly received a prophetic revelation. Now, you're going to have to follow closely here because I I want you to catch this point. The name of Enoch's boy was Methuselah. Today we pick names because they're popular, we like them, family namesake. And I, I was just curious for 2015 and I went back and researched that. This past week, and I found out that the top ten, ten names for girls last year, number one was Sophia. Number two, Emma. Three, Olivia. Ava. Mia. Isabella. Zoe. Lily. Emily. Madison. Top ten names. Boys, Jackson was number one. Aiden. Liam. Lucas. Noah. Mason. Ethan. Caden. Logan. Jacob. And, and all of these names have meaning. In fact, sometimes for dedication, I will go back and research the names. And a lot of times the parents don't have a clue what the name really means. But in the Bible, names always had meaning. And, and many times they carried a prophetic message within that name. And, and there was definitely a prophetic message in the name Methuselah. Because Methuselah means this. When he is dead, it shall come. When he is dead, it shall come. Now, what in the world did that mean? What was going to come when he died? Well, this appears to be in reference to the flood. God was saying that the world had become so sinful that as soon as Methuselah died, then the flood of God's judgment would come. Now, get your calculators out. If you've got an iPhone, just swipe up and choose calculator. If you've got an Android, uh, choose the calculator app. And um, we're going to do a little math. We had a math teacher here, so she can check me up on my math. But uh, you're going to have to really harness your your ADD right now uh, to to be able to stay with me. But but we're going to arrive someplace that I uh, I think will be a blessing to you. If you'll hang with us. Okay. Genesis 5.25 says, When Methuselah had lived 187 years. So he, he became the father of Lamech. So at the young age of 187, Methuselah becomes a daddy. So put down 187. Let's continue reading. Verse 28. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah. So take the first number, 187, which is the age of Methuselah when Lamech was born, and add that to 182, which is the age of Lamech when his son Noah was born. So 187 plus 182 equals 369. Now you say, what does that number mean? Well, it's the age that Methuselah was when Noah was born. So are you still tracking with me? I mean, at least fake it and and, and nod your head this way, okay? Pretend. 
Let's continue on. In, in Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the seventh day of the second month, on that day all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of the heavens were opened, and rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So this verse tells us that Noah was 600 years old when the flood came. So if you add 369, which is the age of Methuselah, when Noah was born, and you add 600, which is the age of Noah, when the flood came, you get 969. Now, what's significant about 969? Well, we read in Genesis 5, 27, Methuselah lived 969 years, and then he died. Now, do you understand the meaning of Methuselah's name? When he is dead, it shall come. What shall come? The flood. And I believe that shortly after Methuselah drew his last breath, that the rain began to fall. And I find this fascinating, that the oldest man who ever lived, at least on record that we have, was Methuselah, and that seems to indicate that early in the history of the world, God was showing that he was a merciful God, and that every day that Methuselah lived was another opportunity for man to get right with God. And, and so God allowed Methuselah to live an extra long life so that people would have more time to repent before the flood came. And it appears that Enoch received in his son a prophetic message from God that judgment was coming. And so through the birth of his son, Enoch realized that he needed to walk with God. Now, you say, Joe, what does that mean for us today? A couple of things. First, for those of us who are parents and grandparents, this should spur us on to be spiritual leaders. Moms and dads, if you have a child, or Papa and Grammy, if you have a grandson or granddaughter, this should spur all of us on to be godly leaders. The responsibility is yours, it's ours, to walk with God and to please God. And the second thing that, I, that I, I want us to get from this point is that even though God said He would never again flood the earth like He did, and what's the reminder of that promise? I, let me go get a kid out of kids' church. I think they can answer that for us. What's the promise? Rainbow. I, and, and I know that's been stolen away by the LGBT community, but the rainbow really means that God will never again flood the entire earth with water. Understand? You know that, don't you? But even though God will never flood the earth with water, God promises that He will one day flood the earth with judgment. And here's what I believe. I believe the only reason that judgment hasn't come is because God is long-suffering. And He loves us so much. And He's giving us, He's giving our relatives, our friends, chance after chance to come to know Him. But one day, He shall come, and judgment shall also come. Lastly, let's look at how Enoch bypassed death. And let me, let me explain that by reading the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, actually verse 5, I'm sorry. 
By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Now, what, what does all of this mean? Well, it means that one day Enoch was walking along and suddenly he was caught away. G. Campbell Morgan, an old-time evangelist, said, Enoch and God spent the day walking together, and toward the end of the day, God said to Enoch, you're closer to my house than yours, so come on up. Enoch was caught away in a personal rapture just for him. Now, those words, taken away, actually have the meaning of to carry across. Death is the river that divides this world from the world to come. But, but Enoch did not have to wade across that river, but instead God picked him up and carried him across and set him down on the other side. And you know what excites me? <laughs> There's a generation, and it may be ours, who will also not have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. They will not have to walk through the river of death, but they will be carried across by God because Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that... We who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, scare each other to death with these words. Doesn't say that, does it? And sometimes that's what we've made it. You know, we try to scare the living daylights out of people. But you know, whenever your heart is right with God, we can encourage each other with these words. You know, when tragedy strikes, when illnesses come, when hardship takes over, it says encourage each other with these words. The Lord Himself will come. We will be caught up. And we will be with the Lord forever. Now, we may die before the rapture, and if that happens, that's okay. Because for the Christian, the tombstone is just a stepping stone to the precious stones. Paul said, for me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. You know what that means? That's win-win. It's good either way. It's good, good. You know, a dear old saint who had walked with God for years was near death and her body was racked with with a disease and pain and, and knowing that she was dying and it wouldn't be long, a friend asked her, how are you doing? And she replied, I'm almost well. And as the old time preachers used to say, whether we go by the way of the undertaker or the upper taker, it doesn't matter. We're just about well. We're just about home. You know, some of us, I, I, I was thinking earlier today, just this morning, I wonder who will be the first person here today to, to see Jesus. You know, it's not always the older people. Death can strike anyone. But for the child of God, I want to just encourage you with these words. We're almost home. 
But before we get too excited about whether we pass through the grave or caught away in the rapture, the key is, again, I want to just come back to these two phrases. Are we walking with God? Are we pleasing God? You know, at this church, again, we put a lot of emphasis, and I think rightly so, just in that that special time that we come to know Jesus, you know, that encounter with God and just the transformation, I think we should. I mean, that, that's a big red-letter date. And as we say, we need to drive a stake there and just camp out there and go back to it and refer to it. It's kind of like a survey marker to where we know. But I sometimes think that, you know, after that, we kind of lose emphasis. And, 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 and instead of like Enoch, where he walked with God for 300 years and I think we just keep going back to that experience and and so from there to here it seems like there's deadness and dryness and so this morning I just maybe feel like God is leading us to do some soul searching and and I want to ask how your walk is with God are you pleasing God are you walking with God not did you start with God but are you walking with him And the good news is that you can begin your walk. Maybe, maybe you got off track. If you did, the message to you today is God is faithful. He's wooing you. He's welcoming you back. But maybe some of you have never fully surrendered to God. Then he's inviting you to come and experience the warmth and the love that he has for you. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads and Would you just search your heart here in these closing moments? Well, Father, I want to thank you for this amazing account in your word. Father, I pray that right now you would just search our hearts. Lord, so many times we ask someone, well, where are you walking with God? Well, I I was saved when I was eight years old and I was baptized. And Lord, that seems to define our walk right there, just that initial experience. Lord, I pray that we would understand what it means to walk with God. Lord, we don't want to discount that initial work, and we thank you for that, that survey marker that we can go back to. Remind ourselves, remind Satan. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to walk with you, and that our walk would be pleasing to you as Lord, as we see about Enoch, 145 words is all, but it came out just so loud and clear. He pleased God. He walked with God. He pleased God. He walked with God. Lord, I don't know the hearts of people here. Sometimes I barely know my own heart because the heart is so deceitful and wicked. And But I pray, God, that right now you would help there to be just true honesty Lord that we would not go back to our initial moment of salvation or our our baptism or confirmation or whatever background maybe we've come from today but Lord that we would just evaluate our walk today are we walking with God and if we are are we pleasing you so Lord for those that maybe have gotten sidetracked I ask that you would bring them back to the main path Lord for those that have 
come up to a certain point in their life, maybe experiencing some light, but they don't want to do what God asks them to do, I pray that right now you would just help them to be convinced that God's way is the only way. And then there may be some people here today that have never known Christ. It's all being pretend. Or, and I pray that they would have the courage to do what they need to do. Father, I just ask this in your name. I'm going to ask you to stand, please. And maybe there'll be some people, there would be some people here that would like to come forward. And this doesn't mean that you're a terrible person. doesn't mean that you're even a sinner. It just means that maybe you want to have a better walk with God. And if you want to come, we'd love to pray with you. And I would just invite you to come and kneel at the steps. And Maybe you want to just make that new commitment to God. You straight away, you've messed up, but this is a new day and you want to start all over again. God is all about second chances. He's all about third chances, fourth chances. Anybody else? Could we have a couple of ladies that would gather around this one that has come forward? A couple of ladies, please. Could we have a couple men that would gather around this, this man that's come? Someone else that you want to come and you want to pray. You want to get your walk with God back on track. You know, just follow, just follow the Lord. If you feel that prompting in your heart that your heart beating fast and you realize this is for you, why don't you just obey? You can leave here pleasing God, walking with God. Heads bowed, eyes closed. There's somebody here that would say, Pastor, I haven't come forward, but I really need your prayers. God has, God has really convicted me. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. I see your hand. Someone else? Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Thank you. I see your hand. I would just urge you and others to come forward. If, if there's a need, don't, don't stay where you are. Just bring that need to God. And, and I want to I pray a, a prayer here of dismissal in just a moment, but I want to give you one more chance. If, if God is speaking to you, would you come? Lord, we thank you just for the hands that were raised, and I pray for them right now. You know what's going on. Lord, you know the issues. And I just pray, oh God, that you would help them to come clean with you. Lord, that they would please God and walk with you. Lord, I pray for these who have come forward. I thank you for their honesty and their transparency. and They're willing to just humble themselves before you and before this church. Lord, I just pray that they would find peace and that when they walk, out of these doors, they would be able to say, I'm walking with God, I'm pleasing God. And Lord, I pray that this week that you would just help us to be mindful of, of these two phrases. God, that you would raise up a generation of people that would be walking with God and pleasing God. Lord, instead of worrying so much about pleasing people, that we would please God. Instead of walking so much with the crowd and doing the fads that we would walk with God. And so, Lord, I thank you so much for your presence. I thank you for your goodness. And we ask these favors in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
Amen and amen. I'm going to just ask you, if you would not be visiting here in the, in the sanctuary, please let's allow these to, to pray and, and seek God. And uh, thank you for coming, and we will see you this evening. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.